Hey, we're gonna start week two of our Red Flags series. Who was here uh, last week for week one of Red Flags? Come on, did you enjoy it? I hope you had a good time last week. We talked about how to recognize red flags in our relationships. Talking about there's red flags in other people and most of the time, that's what we look at. Most of the time we are looking at all, every article. Listen, I'm telling you, if you look up red flags in relationships, every single article is always them focused, right? It's always about the red flags you see in other people that you need to avoid, but they never talk about the red flags that you might have within you and how you need to handle your own business before you try to get in a relationship with somebody. Can somebody give me an amen in the house of God? Handle your own business, people, okay? Uh, and so we talked about red flags and others, how to recognize those, but also how to recognize them in yourself, start to deal with those things so that we can set the groundwork for healthy relationships, all right? But what we're gonna do for the next few weeks now is look at some individual red flags that you might come across in a relationship, either within somebody else or within you. We know how to recognize them now. So let's talk about a few of those red flags. So uh, this is week two, and it's, we're gonna look to James 1, 19 through 20. I love the book of James. It's my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, unashamedly, it is my favorite book because it is so incredibly practical. I love the book of James. He tells it to you straight, okay? and. The book of James starts uh, in, in chapter 1, 19 through 20, right here. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Did you catch them? Did you catch the red flags in there? Already, we have three red flags, all right? It tells you the positive, the correct way to handle these things. But if you flip it to the negative, you'll see the red flags. And today, the title of the message is called Bad Communication. Somebody say bad communication. You ever had some bad communication in your marriage or in a relationship or at work or whatever? I already see some of y'all looking at each other like, mm, this is about to be a good one for you, okay? Like, <laughs> listen up, honey, okay? I already see it happening, okay? And yes, we are gonna go there, all right? It's gonna be wonderful. Just, you know, buckle up. It's gonna be a fun ride, all right? Uh, bad communication. I just wanna hop right in if that's okay with you guys. We see three red flags. We're gonna start with the first one. Number one, red flag, wave them guys. Let me see you wave your red flag. They don't listen to you. He doesn't listen to you. She doesn't listen to you. That is a huge red flag in a relationship. Maybe you have been in this situation before. I have certainly been in this situation before uh, where you're in a conversation with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, fiance, whatever it might be in your life, okay? And uh, you're talking, and, and for me anyway, it'd be my wife, Lindsay. She's talking to me. She's back in the kids' area, leading our kids' area right now. Praise God. Uh, and so she'll be talking, and you know, I'll be on my phone or something like that. And she's like, uh, you know, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, for sure. And then this, that, and the other. And then the kids, and we gotta do this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Trevor, what did I just say? Uh, yeah, you, you, well, you, you said... The thing, uh, the kids, and then something about trash. Take out the trash, take out the trash. She was like, yeah, that was one of like eight things that I just asked you to do. You were not listening to me. And I'm like, I mean, I was kind of listening. She's like, mm, sure you were, okay. How many of y'all ever been in that position before? Don't lie to me, people, we're in church, okay. I know that you've been in that position on one side or the other. 
but people struggle with listening. Let's just be honest. We struggle with it. And uh, I would say that I'm su- maybe surprised by that, that people struggle with listening to one another, but I'm really not. I'm really not surprised, especially considering the culture that we live in. Our culture is go, go, go. It's all very fast paced. And now what do we have? I'm preaching from one of them right now. I got an iPad right here. I got an iPhone right here. We have Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, like all these streaming services that you can be on at all times. And it's just constant. You have TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, texting, email. You got work bothering you. You have your social life bothering you. You have people texting you. You got the kids, you have all this other stuff going on, all these things that you're thinking about. And our culture is so primed to make you feel anxious and go, 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 go. And you're always distracted and on our phones and whatever it might be, it might be for a good reason. But here's the deal, you're preoccupied, you're distracted. And maybe another reason why uh, you might get into this struggle of not listening is because you're just thinking about what to say next. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before where someone's talking to you and you're not really listening to them because all you're doing is thinking about the next thing that you wanna say, right? And what that actually shows us a little bit is sometimes that it's a selfish motive because we don't really care about what the other person is saying. We just wanna make sure that our voice is heard and the thing that we wanna say gets heard. Uh, And so what's the problem here? There's a problem and a solution for every single one of these. The problem is passive listening, passive listening. But then the solution then is active listening. All right. Have you ever heard these terms before? You ever heard of active listening? We'll talk about what these are in just a moment, but I want to read Proverbs 18, 13 in the message version, because I like how it says, Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. There you go, everybody. It's right there in the word, all right? Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Uh, Good night, everybody. It's uh, it's been a great day. You guys enjoy, go get some lunch. You know, like that's it. You can end it right there. A passive listening, uh, what's the problem with it? And I just gave you an example of passive listening. it's, it's, It's that you're not completely not listening, but you're in that in-between kind of listening where you're hearing what somebody's saying. You're listening, but you're not thinking, right? You're kind of checked out or you're thinking about the kids or you're thinking about work or you're on your phone, you're on social media and you're kind of just scrolling and, and kind of halfway listening. You're listening, but you're not thinking. Here's the problem with passive listening is that it creates an environment where your partner will not feel safe to share anymore because their thoughts and their feelings are constantly invalidated by your lack of listening. I'm gonna say that again. Passive listening creates an environment where your partner will not feel safe to share anymore because their thoughts and their feelings and the things that they say to you don't matter. They're invalidated by the fact that you are not actively listening to them. So what's the difference? Active listening uh, requires a few different things. And active listening is very hard. Uh, My father-in-law is here right now and he's been a counselor for years and years and I'm sure he could probably talk about a few of these things. But active listening requires that you think first off, get some eye contact people. We've lost even the ability to look somebody in the eye and have a good conversation. Get some eye contact and then repeat back to them what they just said. If you can't repeat back to them what they just said, then you probably didn't understand it in the first place. You weren't really listening. And some of the tricks that you could do, this is a really good one. A lot of uh, counselors and psychologists will use this one. 
uh, well, you probably have heard the, the other version of this, which is kind of the cliche, but like, you know, you hear different versions of, you know, tell, how does that make you feel, right? Like, don't ever say that. That's just kind of annoying. Like, how does this make you feel? I mean, if you say that in a certain situation, that might be fine, but on a regular basis, maybe not so much. So one way that you could say it is, hey, what else? Like some, there's somebody's talking to you and, and you repeat back to them, say, hey, you know, I'm really just feeling down. Like I'm going through it with, with my, my wife right now. And I don't really know like what to do. It just seems like we just keep spinning our wheels and we just have this awful communication. We just can't figure things out. We're really struggling, man. Like, oh, you're really struggling? Man, like tell me more. And well, you know, like this, that, and the other. And, but like, we just had this fight the other day and this, that, and the other. Oh, like that's, oh, that's, that's awful. Having this fight, that must've been really hard on you. Yeah, 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 blah, blah. You just ask a lot of good questions. You have to be able to ask good questions and you say, what else? And the one that I really, really love is say, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And a lot of times you don't even really have to say anything. You could say, tell me more. And when somebody starts to have an honest and serious conversation with you, and that's really what we're talking about here. We're not just talking about everyday conversation, but when you're really trying to connect with your spouse, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whoever it might be in your life, when you're really trying to connect with them and having an honest, serious conversation, sometimes what they really wanted to get to is four to five tell me mores into it. You know what I'm talking about? They initially say something and, and maybe it seems very surface level at the beginning. But then if you say, hey, tell me more. And then they keep going, hey, tell me more. How'd, how'd that make you feel? That must've really, really stunk. That seems pretty tough. Tell me some more. And they just keep going and they keep going. And then four to five in, they finally get to the heart, to the core of the issue. And then you can really have a good discussion. It's very important. In Psalm 18:6 says this, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. I love this right here because what is this saying? He's saying, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I, I was talking to God. I cried to him for help. It seems like this is not just a one time where he was asking, but he was saying, hey, I was persistently crying out to God and I really needed some help. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to get through to you. It says from his temple, he heard my voice. God hears your voice when you speak to him. Isn't that an amazing truth? We just prayed for one another right now and we lifted up some prayers to the Father. And, and that's what I was even just saying is, like, hey, this is so important. Prayer is important because it is an actual communication with the creator of the universe and the God that created you and created me. And the Bible says that he hears us when we pray according to his will. He will not only hear us, but he will act on our behalf. Isn't that amazing? Come on. And so God is actively listening to your prayers. He wants to hear from you. And here's the kicker. If God can actively listen to billions of people in this world, then you can listen to your spouse. Amen. Come on now. You got one person to listen to. God can hear billions. I mean, like, come on guys, let's just focus on the one here for a second and God can hear you. I can hear you when you need me to take out the trash. Amen. So number two, it is speaks without thinking. Wave that red flag with me, everybody. Wave it, wave it, wave it. If they speaking without thinking, that is a red 
flag. Have you ever started a sentence and you had no idea where you were going with it? <laughs> I definitely have done that. I'm talking to my extroverted people here today, okay? Uh, most of the time, the introverts, y'all get annoyed at the extroverts that do that. You're like, did you not think about what, where you were going with that before you started speaking? And us extroverts, especially if you ADHD or ADD like myself, you just start talking and you have no clue where you're going with it. Like it is just, you're throwing words out there and hoping some of them stick, okay? Um, but why do we do this? Why do we speak without thinking? And there's a few different reasons. Number one is we just wanna be a part of the conversation. You know, like I like to be in the conversation. If there's a group of people standing around uh, in a circle, I would just insert myself right up into that conversation and be like, hey, what's up guys, what are we talking about? And they're like, oh, we're talking about farming. And we are like, cool, I know nothing about farming, but I'm sure I can find something to say, you know, like let's do this. I wanna be a part of this thing. I, I, I think of myself sometimes, what would I do if I was ever in a room like Jeff Bezos and, Elon Musk or the president and some of the cabinet members or something like that. What would I do? I'd probably say something real stupid, right? Like they start talking about stock market and be like, yeah, yeah, I've invested in, in the stock market. And they go, oh, how many shares do you have? Oh, I have, I have 30 in Tesla. Okay, 30, like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. It's like, oh yeah, I have $30, like it's a fractional share. It's just $30 total. It's not really one share even. Anyway, okay. But that's how I feel like I would talk in that situation. I would just stick my foot in my mouth over and over and over again and then look real stupid. So, uh, but we want to be a part of the conversation many times. That's why we speak without thinking. Uh, number two, another reason why we speak without thinking is we would love to change the conversation topics to ourselves, right? Once again, we are selfish by nature. That's who we are. We think about ourselves more than we think about other people. We talked about that in our Nehemiah series a few weeks ago. We naturally want to talk about ourselves. And so we will speak things out that have nothing to do with the conversation at hand in order to change it to something that we care about or something that makes us look good. Uh, the number three reason why we speak without thinking is we're uncomfortable with silence. <laughs> you know, that was a little weird, right? It was like, oh, why did he just do that? Like, Pastor, just say something, you know? We're uncomfortable with silence. And I think a lot of that goes back to uh, the busyness that we find ourselves in so many times with our phones and with the way that we live our lives. We don't know how to just sit and not say anything, right? So speaking without thinking is not really a great thing to do, but speaking without thinking could actually have some really, really bad consequences. Because many times during an argument with a spouse or a friend, we speak without thinking. And if we do this to our partner in an argument setting, it could actually lead to catastrophic consequences. So the problem here is that we use words carelessly. This person uses words carelessly, but then the solution would be to understand that words are powerful. Amen. Words have power behind them. There's a phrase to say, you, you all know it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. How untrue is that? Come on. There's a show. It's called The Fairly Odd Parents. Any of my millennial friends ever seen it? Come on now. Fairly Odd Parents. You never thought you'd hear Fairly Odd Parents in a sermon, okay? But you are today. So, uh, sticks and stones, it's just an animated show, kid show. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will leave psychological wounds that will never heal. And that is Timmy's dad from Fairly Odd Parents. But I think that is so true when you really think about it. 
words will leave psychological wounds that may never heal. And I think that's way more closer to the truth than the other side is. Proverbs 12, 18 uh, seems to kind of agree with that, with Timmy's dad from Fairly Odd Parents. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Would you choose to go to a college without thinking about it? I don't think so. When you chose where you were going to university, you probably had a lot uh, to think about. You, you had scholarships and you had money. Is it state? Is it out of state? What kind of degree am I getting? You know, am I just going to have some fun or am I trying to go like pre-med or law or anything like that? We got to really like figure out what we're doing here. Maybe would you change careers without thinking about it? Some of you have been the same career for 20, 30 years. And one day if you just came home and you said, you know what, honey, I quit my job and I'm changing careers completely. How well do you think that would go over? I don't think it would go so well because it doesn't make sense. Would you go skydiving without thinking about it? I certainly would not. Maybe some of you crazy people out there would, but I definitely would not. No, listen, you would plan those things out because they are important. And in the case of skydiving, could even be life or death, okay? But what if we viewed our words with the same level of importance as we do some of these other decisions that we make, these big, big life-changing decisions that we make? What if we viewed our words with the same level of importance? We don't, but the Bible says that we should. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But we don't really believe that. Just be honest, we don't. It's just a stupid argument, she'll forget about it. That's what we tell ourselves. Uh, he, he won't remember this tomorrow, like we'll get over it, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. You don't really ever even apologize. You just let those things stay out there. You say all these, na- you name call and you carelessly talk about your partner and you just get in this argument and you fight and you fight and you don't even really think about the consequences of the words that you are saying to this other person, but there is life and there is death in your tongue. I didn't really mean that. I didn't really mean it. I was just saying things. That's one of the biggest lies that you will ever tell yourself because those words really do mean something, especially those that have words of affirmation as a love language. Think about that for me. I'm a words of affirmation person. If you haven't, I would highly encourage you, if you're married or you're dating, to go through the five love languages book or the five love languages test. You can find it online. It is so incredibly helpful. And the reason for that is, is you figure out how you give and receive love. For me, I'm number one, words of affirmation and physical touch. Lindsay uh, is words of affirmation is her number five. She does not care about words of affirmation at all. So when I do something and I'm like really proud of myself, right? I think I just did something really, really cool. Like we had a great day or, or I got a lot of stuff done around the house and I'm just like sitting there just like waiting for her to say something like, I'm so proud of you, honey, or like, I love you so much or whatever. And then Lindsay's just staring there looking at me like, do you want me to say something? I really don't want to. And I'm like, but I did so good, right? And she's like, well, now I really don't want to say anything. Now you're just making it weird. And so every once in a while, I, I won't say anything. I'll hold back. I'll be like, hold back, hold back. Don't make it weird. Don't say anything, all right? And then, uh, and then she'll come up to me and she'll just give me a hug. She'll be like, I'm really pr- proud of you. See ya, okay, all right. 
And she, it's just so awkward for her to have to say anything like that. And I'm like, yes, you said it. Thank you so much. Like it means so much to me, right? You know, but her, she's totally different. She needs acts of service. She needs quality time. I need, to be, I need to be coming home and doing the dishes, spending time with the kids, going to the park and hanging out. And that's where she really finds love. But listen, uh, the words that you use bring life or death, especially to somebody like me. And you don't even realize many times who those people are in your life, that those words mean even more to them. So take that love language test. It'll really, really help you to learn how you give and receive, but also how your spouse or your partner gives and receives love as well. But people carry baggage from the words that are spoken over them for decades. Not even just a couple days or a couple weeks. But sometimes the things that you say over your kids, they'll remember when they're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. Some of you, some of y'all are 50, 60, and 70 in this room right now, and you still have emotional baggage from some of the things that your parents said to you when you were young. So you can't tell me that words don't matter, right? Because if the words didn't matter that you said on a regular basis, then you wouldn't have those vivid memories of your dad telling you that you're stupid. You wouldn't have those memories of your mom saying you're never gonna do anything in life. Like you just, you're lazy, you don't even care, you don't even clean up your room. Like you're never gonna amount to anything. Somebody calling you ugly. A parent saying, well, why can't you just be more like, insert name of other person. You remember those kinds of things. So I don't want my words to pierce like a sword, like that verse says, but I want my words to bring healing. Amen. I want my words to bring life, not death, not pierce like a sword, but bring healing to those around me. If words really are as powerful as the Bible says they are, and not just the Bible, but psychologists everywhere agree that words are extremely powerful. This is not a debatable thing. So if they are that powerful, then I want to make sure that my words reflect Christ and how I really feel and how God feels about that other person. Amen. All right, so that's number two. But number three, all right, I need to see y'all. Wave the red flag. Wave the red flag with me. Number three is quick to become angry, all right? Quick to become angry. That is a huge red flag in a relationship. Proverbs 17, 27 says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even tempered. There's a, a psychological study, put it this way. It says, people with anger control problems often react in aggressive ways when they feel insulted, wronged, or injured, especially when they think that they're being treated unfairly. People struggling with this problem often blow up or explode at others. They're also quick to blame other people for their problems without examining the role that they might be playing in the situation. Ooh, that one hurts, right? You know, like if some of y'all ever blown up before and maybe you have kind of some anger problems, you know that that's you and you end up feeling guilty later on because you realize like, oh my goodness, you kind of get just this like everything you're seeing red, right? And you blow up on this person and later you go back and you're like, oh no, like I can't believe I did that. And you're embarrassed by it because all you can think about is seeing red in that moment. Anger and frustration doesn't always manifest in the same way though. Anger can look different in so many different people. We think that it has to be throwing things and punching and abuse and things like that. And it does manifest in that way for sure. Some people get loud, but then some people just won't talk to you for three days, you know? Come on, like, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all deal with that and it's two completely different kinds of anger, but they manifest 
in different ways, but which one is worse? I don't know if one is necessarily worse or another. One is certainly more destructive, but another might be more destructive in another way. So let's look at it. The problem with anger is maybe stonewalling or violence. And the solution would be to seek to understand. But I have, I have this graphic here I wanna show you. There it is. Violence has a, an advancing attitude. It's an advancing uh, uh, posture towards the anger, dealing with it. I'm gonna advance. Stonewalling is the opposite. It is retreating. It's going away. It's saying, you know what? I can't handle this and I'm so angry, I'm out of here, right? The violence might have yelling and name calling, but on the opposite, stonewalling. Stonewalling is simply just, I'm putting up a wall between you and me. We're not gonna talk about this. Absolutely not. Not talking about it, not talking to you. I don't want anything to do with you right now. So they're completely different manifestations of your anger. It might be not talking or blocking a number. The, the advancing violence is banging on the door. The other side of it might be locking the door. You can't even get in. I'm not even gonna talk to you. Uh-uh. The violence might be destroying the house, but... Stonewalling might look like leaving the house. I'm gonna destroy the house if I'm angry and manifesting this way, but somebody else might manifest their anger by just, I'm out, I'm leaving. I don't even wanna be a part of this. Violence might manifest with physical abuse, but stonewalling is one of the worst forms of emotional abuse. Once again, because you're invalidating the feelings and thoughts of the person on the other side. So both of these manifestations of anger are really, really bad and difficult. And I don't wanna say one is necessarily better or worse than the other, but I want you to look within and say, hey, maybe do I have any of these red flags here? Maybe talk with your spouse or talk with a boyfriend or girlfriend and say, hey, where do we land in this? Do we have any of these red flags? Because even Jesus got angry. And I know you might say that too. You might be like, hey, hold on a second. I thought Jesus got angry a few times. I mean, he, he called the Pharisees names. He flipped tables up in Jerusalem. So I, my anger is justified in this moment. I can be angry because it is not a bad thing. Listen, come on now. Jesus got angry, of course, but his anger was much different than what we would consider anger. His was a righteous anger. The difference was that his was out of concern for others, not out of concern for himself. And also it was out of concern for God and his holy house, not out of concern for himself. And the difference that I think a lot of us have a problem with is that Jesus handled his anger and dealt with it, had some conversations that need to be had. He didn't just go and hold grudges against the Pharisees all the time. You think Jesus was just chilling with his disciples around the campfire, talking trash about the Pharisees all the time? Come on now, no. He dealt with that. And then ultimately the Bible says that he loved the Pharisees and he wished that they were saved as well. He wished that they knew God the way that he knew his father. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. What does that suggest? In your anger, do not sin. I think a big problem that we have, is especially anybody that deals with anger in particular, is that you try to just suppress it, push it down or ignore it. And, and you just hold on to this stuff and you just, ugh, until finally you explode and you blow up because you've been trying to push it down for so long. And eventually that thing's going to boil over. But the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So what does that mean? It's not saying that the sin is being angry. You're going to have some level of anger in your life. Some of it justified and some of it 
probably not justified. But the Bible's saying, hey, don't sin when you get into that place of anger. Don't let it get to the place where it blows up on somebody else. And you start saying those careless words to somebody else that really hurt them for a long period of time afterwards. Maybe you destroy something or, or you pull away and you go back so far that now you've stonewalled and you put this wall up between you and your spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's like now this thing is gonna be much harder to break through. The command's not to avoid anger, but to just deal with it properly. The Bible talks a lot about that. It says, if you have a problem with your brother or sister, just go to them and talk it out. And if they don't listen to you, then bring somebody else with you. And if they still don't listen to you, then you can go to the church and have a pastor come with you and talk to them. There's an actual process that it lists out in the Bible of how to deal with the disagreement with somebody else. And here's the problem. I like to handle things. I just like to get it done, right? Uh, how many of you, if you are in an argument, you would rather just talk it out right then? Like, let's just talk about it, get it handled, we're done with it, move on. And now the other side of it is the people that like to just, hey, I need to process this. I need to think about this. I don't wanna say anything I don't mean, so I'm gonna go over here. Listen, oh my goodness. My family, I grew up, we could yell at each other and then five minutes later, we are totally fine. Like we are over it, we are good to go, not a problem. But Lindsay's family, who's actually here right now, they never raise their voices. I gotta be real careful today, okay? They never raise their voices. They just yell at you in their hearts, okay? <laughs> it's true though. They never raise their voices. I actually really respect it, okay? I really do. Because my family, you know, my mom and dad, like, we yell at each other. My mom especially, man, my mom attends this church, okay? She's gonna watch this later. She's in kids, okay? So I can say whatever I want today, all right? But my mom and I, we would yell at each other sometimes. We'd be fine five minutes later. And it's just the way we communicated. You know, you just communicate in a different way. And one of the, the best lessons I think that I've learned in my six years of marriage, right? Like I know everything, but um, my six years of marriage, I, one of the best things I learned is that just because your family does it one way doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong either. Just because my family does something one way doesn't make it right and doesn't make it wrong they're just different. You're going to be different than other people and other families based on the way you were raised and based on who you are and your genetic makeup. I mean, congrats, that's what it means to be human. You're going to be different than your spouse. You're going to be different than your friends. And that's not something to push back on. It's something to celebrate that we all are different. The Bible calls us the body of Christ, right? We all are a different part of the body of Christ. We all have different gifts, different personalities, different things about us that make us who we are. And we celebrate that in a lot of ways, but right when we get into a marriage, now it immediately is a big problem because now I'm different than you and you're different than me and you do the toothpaste like this and I do it like this and you do the toilet paper over, I do the toilet paper under. Why don't you put that thing down? Why don't you do the dishes and put the thing right this, this way, but you know, like we have all these big problems and those seem like such small things, but there's much bigger things. Maybe how you handle your finances. Are you a big spender? Are you a saver? That could be a big problem. Money is the number one cause of divorce still to this day. It's a huge problem, but yet how you work through those things is going to change a lot about the trajectory of that marriage. Listen, you have to decide what's right for your relationship, not what your parents did, not what my parents did, but what we wanna do with our relationship, this is how we're going to handle this situation. What does that require? Communication. It requires you to have a conversation about it and just be honest with one another. 
not name call and not use those words carelessly like we talked about, but actually have a healthy conversation. And you have to learn to appreciate your differences. I, just as an example, when me and Linz are in an argument, oh, we have arguments. Yeah, like, okay, I'm a pastor. We still got problems, okay, people? So when me and Lindsay are in an argument, watch this later, babe. It's gonna be great. Okay, so like I said, I'm the person that wants to just handle it. Like, let's just talk about it now and get it done. Because I have trouble, if, if I'm not good with you, I can't even focus on whatever else I need to be doing right now. I can't work. You have an argument at like 8 a.m. in the morning. Lindsay's not a morning person. I'm cool with it, right? So a lot of times I, I already know I ain't trying to talk to her at 7.30 in the morning, okay? Like, ain't, just don't do it, okay? But if for some reason I decide to venture into having a conversation with her at 6.30, 7.30 in the morning, and it doesn't go well, and we get an argument or something like that, I have to be really careful because I will push the, the, the subject because I'm like, I can't even work now. I can't even focus on anything else. So I'll try to corner her and say, hey, let's just talk about this right now. But Lindsay's completely opposite. She's the person that when you get into an argument with her, she's gonna retreat. She's gonna say, hey, I need to think about this. I need to process this because I don't wanna use my words carelessly, which is something that I probably would do if I just barge through the door and start saying things, right? She has to think about and calculate her response just two completely ways of dealing with things. So how did we work this out in our marriage? Communication, okay? I said, Linz, okay, we gotta figure something out because I feel like when you go back into the room and you say, I don't wanna talk and you just go walk away or maybe you don't say anything and you just shut down and you just walk into the room away from me, that makes me feel like you don't care about me because <laughs> I'm a words of affirmation person. Like if you're withholding words from me and withholding that, that makes, that really hurts me. So, hey, when you go away, can you just even give me like one little thing and just maybe say something like, hey, and I just need some space in an hour or in two hours or a set time frame. Maybe tonight, can we come back to this and talk about this later when I've had time to think about this and process it? And that has helped me so, so much. And it's also helped her because now I'm not trying to push the situation and I can go do what I need to do. And, and Lynn's, she's not feeling like I'm just all over her and trying to trap her in a corner with my words. But now we've communicated, we found a solution that works for us and our own personalities and who we are so that we're not using words carelessly and hurting each other. And we're not gonna get super angry and say things we don't mean and all of that. So, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you have struggled with any of these red flags in your life, but I'm gonna go back to the beginning, James 1, 19 through 20. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. If you're not listening, if you're not actively listening to your partner, there's gonna be a big problem in that relationship. And if you find yourself just not caring, then maybe you need to really reevaluate either the relationship, if you're a boyfriend or girlfriend, or you need to really have a good conversation about, hey, why are you not listening? Why am I not listening? You need to be slow to speak. Use your words wisely because they matter and don't become angry quickly. Because if you get angry quickly, you start throwing out those name calling and different things like that, you're really going to have some psychological wounds that are gonna take a long time to heal. And this last verse, because human anger does not produce what? The righteousness that God desires. If everybody would stand up in this place today, I just wanna pray over each and every one of you. 
I love the book of James and we've talked a lot in the book of Proverbs today. I'm gonna let you know, we'll be in the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms a lot as we go through this series. Why? Because these books are very, very practical. They help us how to know to navigate human relationships with one another. And so we're gonna have a lot of these quick little Proverbs. I encourage you as we're going through this series, read through the book of Proverbs because it has so much wisdom for interpersonal relationships that I think you're really going to love. So I wanna pray over each and every one of you. Maybe you have, uh, you know that you have some anger problems. You need to get rid of that. Or you know that you haven't been listening well and, and you've been just kind of putting off your partner for too long now. And maybe you're overly distracted with this thing right here. And you know you need to make a change. This is the only way that you're gonna start listening to your partner, to your spouse. You say, you know what? Hey, maybe today you need to make a commitment for the next week, maybe just for seven days. I'm not gonna be on my phone. I'm not gonna be on my iPad. I'm not gonna watch all these shows so that I can actually pour my life into my partner. Maybe you need to make that kind of a commitment today. Or maybe the last thing is, you just need to know how to listen and to use your words in a way that lifts somebody up. Maybe you never even thought about the fact that your words really matter. You might even be somebody that has those emotional wounds from somebody else that has spoken words over you. And you've actually become a lot of those negative words that were spoken over you. You realize when you do speak those words over somebody, a lot of times people will gravitate towards the words that you speak over them. That's why you have to be so careful what you speak over yourself and others. You might have some wounds within yourself that you say, hey, pastor, I need some prayer because I need to get over these things. I don't wanna be thinking these words over myself. Or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness from God for speaking negative words over somebody else. I just wanna pray with you today. If that resonates with you in this place, uh, would you just in your heart pray along with me? Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes as we close the service out together. Father God, I thank you for every person that's here today whether they're online or in person here in this room right now, God, there's these three red flags that you've identified in the book of James. And Lord, we're dealing with these things today, right here, right now. We wanna be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. We wanna listen because God, you listen to us. You hear our prayers when we speak to you. And so God, we want your heart. We wanna uh, to listen to other people. And, and why? Because people matter. People are important to you. And so they should be important to us, especially those that are close to us, like a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So God, help us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, not for our own agenda and our own selfish desires, but but really truly listening and then adding value with our words, not just carelessly throwing out words that are gonna break people down, but Lord, we want to build the people up with our words. And we wanna be slow to become angry, God, because we know that's not your heart. Jesus, whenever you were angry, it was a righteous anger and it was directed uh, really ultimately for other people to help other people and to bring glory to your father. And so Lord, help us if we have anger within us, we have something inside of us. Lord, would you break that off right now in the name of Jesus? If there is anything, Lord, that's holding us back and we're hearing any kind of voices that are telling us, hey, you need to be angry and you, we feel ourselves just kind of seeing red in that moment. Lord, I pray that you would break that off of some people right now in the name of Jesus, that they would be at peace 
in their mind and in their heart. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that has had these negative words and this bad communication, these awful things spoken over them, maybe even ever since they were a kid and they've been holding on to them for so long. Lord, I pray that right now you would remind them of who they are in Christ. Lord Jesus, that you would remind them that they're a son or daughter of the Most High, that they're a part of a royal priesthood, that they're called holy and justified, Lord, that we're not just these broken, awful people that are no good mess ups, but Lord, you call us your sons and daughters, Lord. That's such an amazing place to be, such an amazing identity that we have and help us to hold on to the words that you say about us, not the words that the world or even somebody close has said about us. So I pray that you break those things off of them right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Father, and we thank you. I pray favor and blessing over every person that's here today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give God praise one more time? I hope this helped you today. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some great conversations in the car on the way to lunch. Uh, but you know what? That's what this series is all about, honestly. Um, be willing to have that good, open, honest communication. If you need to deal with some things with your spouse or with a boyfriend or girlfriend, man, don't put it off, but have that conversation and uh, don't be afraid of it. I believe God's gonna work through it. Amen. Y'all have a great day. God bless you guys.